Yeah. Just Mr. like that, huh? Yeah. You're, as soon as you show up, I hit record, just you're, like the guests. You're skipping the foreplay this time. Sorry. You're not a big <laughs> foreplay guy? <laughs> um, you just go straight in? Dude, I, I'll take anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> anything you can get, huh? I yeah. respect the foreplay. Are you kidding me? Come on. I, what? what you, what you, else? We, I got plenty of time. I get plenty of time. <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> oh, Brad, Brad. Guess what I'm dealing with? Uh, bees? Mold. Oh, that's not good. I know. Dude, you're really getting the whole gamut of like owning the homestead. Yeah, to be honest. When I, was, when I was like in middle school and high school, I lived in this apartment with my mom. It was like two bedrooms. It was just built not long before. You know, you weren't allowed to do anything to the place, you know, but nothing ever happened. Right. You literally had to change the the air filter like every six months. That was my duties, you know? Yeah. And that was it. And it was, you know, you you wanted it to get cold in the summer, be 67 in about 45 seconds. You know, tiny (laughs) little place, brand new walls, super easy. You know, this whole thing. That's why I'm trying to change the mind state, right? And you can probably, you can probably uh, attest to this. Like, I feel like, you know, sometimes when you're in positions like this, you want to go like, oh, when's it going to end? You know, like, I just need a break. I need some relief. I'm starting to get the impression as a homeowner with children and a fairly taxing job that it's not about re- like like no relief is coming. I think no. your only choice at this point is how you plan to deal with everything that's coming your way. Exactly. But like it's kind of a fool's errand, no, to be like, oh, when are you just going to get a break? Because there's no more breaks, right? Like until I'm dead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like parenthood, there's yeah. no breaks until you're dead. All right. I mean, that's all right. You yeah. know, you just gotta. Just gotta get your head wrapped around it a different way, you know. Yeah, you just you gotta you gotta pick your battles. You gotta figure out what's worth uh, what's worth taking on. But you know, it's good for me to hear this stuff because you know I still fantasize about escaping the city and getting that little house with a yard, and yeah. you know, yeah. I'm I'm here dealing with like a you know a sink that's like backed up, and whether I can take care of it or whether I need to call maintenance. But even so, I st- I have a maintenance department. So yeah, you go out to that little house in the woods. It's going to be like, Everything. oh, fucking raccoon family is under my deck, or <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, oh no, like bees got in this part of the house. Like or the oh, gutters, a, tr- a tree just <laughs> fell on my fucking car. Like so, I got to yeah. clean the gutters, man. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so where's the mold though? Well, it was one of those things where it's like you you know you don't know anything's happening, and I just. My my wife, you know, calls me in, says my name. And this is why, you know, I have like, I'm like Pavlov's husband. Like when I hear my name being yelled out, like there's like a part of me that just shudders. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I walk in, you know, and I see like, you know, a little water coming out of one of my light fixtures and then some bubbling in the sheet. Oh. Rock. And I'm like, oh, that's fun. You know, no. and I'm expecting like, okay, we got a little leak in the ceiling. Yeah, I got, you know, I, I'm fairly handy. I got a sheetrock saw and I, you know, took off the part that was wet. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty fucking wet. Um, 
you know, brought someone in. Plumber's like, I can't find where the leak's coming from. Uh oh. So before I know it, it's like ten at night, and and not to mention we saw some mold spots on like the beams. So, you know, before I know it, I'm like, I got a little leak in the ceiling, and then it's like ten o'clock at night, and there's like a mold remediation company putting up like a fucking ET looking no containment unit no. tearing tearing up the kitchen. Oh, you know, shit. so like, so uh, yeah, like most of my ceilings gone, cabinets are off, like uh, all the shit. We found the leak the next day. It was just like a little fucking copper, you know, little yeah. copper fitting, like some copper that went bad on a pipe, like upstairs, just dripped through for a long time. <sighs> and now, you know, now we're dealing with this. It's funny though. The I played a uh, I played a show on Friday. It was a Town Liars first show, and mm-hmm. we played a New Brunswick basement show. And you know, I've spent many, many nights <laughs> of my life like down in, in New basement. Brunswick basements, either <laughs> practicing or playing shows and this. But when I was like 20 years old down there, all I'm focusing on is the band, this and right. that. Now at this age, with what I'm going through and stuff, I'm looking <laughs> around, I'm like, shit. Look at all the mold in here. I'm like, this is, I'm like, I see like electrical rigging, you know, that's like very illegal. I'm like, wow, you know, this is this place. Jeez. But, but I also, it makes me wonder too, like, I don't really get affected by it too much when I think like, you know, my family does a little more and maybe it's part of the reason is because I've spent like half my life in like mold infested fucking yeah. shitty you're, basements, you know, you're like. Immune. Yeah, not immune, but maybe just like, you know, it's like that guy. There used to be a dude who came into my old store when I worked at a convenience store. He was like a 80-year-old like farmer who would come in like this dirty truck. And like he'd come like every three days and he would just get like a like a gallon of whole milk, a package of bacon, and like three packs of like i believe paul mall filterless yes you know and this guy was old but he was clearly working still on the farm pretty healthy oh yeah and that's right and and about once a week he would come by for a big sandwich that was just liverwurst and onions Ooh, yeah so i was you know this dude obviously like the biggest badass i've ever seen but you know there there is some truth to that lemmy thing where it's just like if you condition your body you know it does <laughs> sometimes it can get used to things it can also kill you i'm not saying this is the way we should do it but you know yeah, it's so a that's, good point so that's been a fun exercise and i honestly when you brought that up i thought oh he's he's probably got he saw some mold in the basement and freaked out and threw a bottle of bleach on it or something, but no, you're immersed in the nightmare. So. Oh yeah. I know like, like mold terms, you know, I'm, I'm fully in mold world right now. I, it's no joke. I mean, I thought, you know, until fairly recently, um, you know, my wife is always freaking out thinking she sees mold everywhere. And um, I thought it was like the whole mold thing was probably overhyped, but I like last year I'd cleaned out, um, like a storage locker in, Ni- in Niagara where they have their gear and there was mold in there. And the next day I woke up with like all these symptoms of, of whatever it is. I looked it up. What were your symptoms? It was like fluish, very fluish. Hmm. Um, I mean, I thought I had COVID immediately. Oh, wow. So you actually um, get like a fever, like. 
I don't remember if I had a fever. Is that is that mold poisoning? Like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. essentially what it is, and it's like you know. I looked it up, you know, it wasn't anything to worry about. It was, it's, it would, it, it goes away. It didn't have long-term effects you right. know, unless you had repeated exposure. But, um, but yeah, it was for real, man. I was, I was pretty miserable and there was some, it was like these flu symptoms. And then, and then there was one other symptom that really, that was kind of a non-flu symptom. I can't remember what it was, but locked it in as like this, that locked it in as this definite diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely what it was. Well, good stuff, huh? (laughs) Fun. So we had a nice interview. Oh, yeah. Despite all this, I locked myself in the office and (laughs) had a nice interview (laughs) with with Brendan from Incendiary. Excellent band. It was cool when I got, you know, every once in a while, I get, you know, we've been doing this a minute. I get a lot of emails from, not too many, but I get a decent amount of emails from like, you know, publicity and stuff like that. Being like, you know, oh, this band's new record, this and that. And often I don't care or I haven't heard of them. But mm. every once in a while in my inbox, a band I already like just just falls into my lap. So, you know, I like when uh, I already had Incendiary Records on my iTunes downloaded before I even accepted the interview. Because, oh, yeah. as you know, I am a fan of hardcore music and... <laughs> I also have a particular soft spot for people who understand the nuances and brilliance of New York hardcore and what, not just the music, you know, there's like a vibe that goes along with being a New York hardcore band that you can't totally Oh yeah, totally there's understand. no place else. No. There's no so. hardcore anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing real anyway. Um <laughs> So it was it was a nice one that just dropped in, and then I got you know the advance to their new record, and I was like, "Ooh, this is nice." Um, yeah. So I don't know. It was it was a pleasure talking to to Brennan, catching up. The new record is great. I got to get filled in on the story. We got a an original drummer, which is great. Which I think yeah. you know, in especially in hardcore, I think. That's something that would help you as a as a oh, lyric yeah. writer and stuff because a lot of it's about cadence, you know. A lot yeah. of it's about like rhythm, and you know, to have rhythm is is an important thing. Um, going into this, great singer, great lyrics. I definitely, um, you know, in that classic hardcore sense of like, this is how much bullshit's going on, and I'm super frustrated about it. <laughs> Um, which is one of the things that connected me to all this anyway. So, uh, and like I said in the interview, one thing I particularly like is I like to know what people are saying. You know, there's, there's different types of this music. Sometimes you got to growl it out and, and you can't understand what someone's saying. But, you know, I feel like lyrics in this music are so much more impactful when you can actually make out what someone's talking about on the surface and not read lyric sheets, which right. do people read those anymore? Like, you know, I, I don't know. You know, you used to be able to sit with the record in the lyric sheet. Like are there people actually downloading the layouts on iTunes and scouring through lyrics? Well, you, like can they used go- to? you can Google them. I just wonder like, cause not everybody has their lyrics, their official lyrics. Yeah. I just wonder who's like transcribing these lyrics for like older records. Cause they're not always correct. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> I mean, we were just listening to Bad Brains the other day, and I'm, 
Oh, okay. My wife's yeah. like, my wife's like, do you know what HR is saying here? I'm like, no. <laughs> no. I'm like, I've heard this song a thousand times. No, I don't know what he's saying. It's probably cool. Uh, <laughs> you know, or like, or like Lifetime, one of my favorite bands in history. You know, I could hum you their entire catalog, but half the time I'm, I'm just making shit up as I go. Yep. And it just sounds right. Yeah. You know? That's, That's half the fun, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So we got into a lot of that. We got into his background, the new album, change the way you think about pain. And uh, yeah, so why don't we why don't we jump into it? It was a fun interview. Am I supposed to be seeing you guys or no? No. Only in your dreams, baby. Nice. I like it. (laughs) Ooh, Brad's coming in hot today. See that. Benny likes to do these in like his outfits. His wife has sent me some snaps. He's usually in like a kind of like an apron with no shirt on and like this weird hat that he wears. That's I do often wonder in this this new Zoom age we're in, how often people are doing these things in no pants, oh. pants, underwear. <laughs> Beneath the surface, there's a frenzy of activity. I have say. a full suit on because I thought it was like a formal thing, so... Uh, I have a full yeah. suit of armor on. That's cool. Look at you too. Hot, but, hot but cool. <laughs> well, dress as if. <laughs> well, on our first our first go here, we we said that we're uh, Chat GPT generated podcast hosts. Are you are you uh, of the many people who are terrified of of our new artificial intelligence friends? Brendan? Yes, I mean, so I played. <laughs> I mean, in, in a word, yes, I played with the art one, which is. Nothing short of mind blowing, uh, especially right. as someone who I I have no visual art skill whatsoever. But the Chat GPT stuff and the the deep fake like voice manipulation is really mm-hmm. creepy. In like the context of announcing, like someone was explaining to me, like announcing like a nuclear strike in Biden's voice and like not oh. being able to discern if it's true or not, and like right. that, that stuff is wild. What was the art one like? You literally just put in like, you know, draw a bicycle in the style of Van Gogh or something, and it gives it's, you. It's a, yeah, it's a, that's what it is exactly. I mean, it's 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 mind blowing, man. I highly recommend you guys playing around with it. It's like <laughs> it's so cool. It makes you feel like an actual artist when you have no talent like me. And then, <laughs> you know, it's good for like coming up with like merch ideas too, and like 
how would this look if we did something like ah. that? Because I don't even have the skills to like really sketch anything out. So like we were literally like messing around with it for like album art stuff. We obviously didn't use it. And, but yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Graphic designers everywhere are quivering. A hundred percent. It's like the, it's the auto tune of art, right? <laughs> <laughs> I heard, yeah. I heard a, a, a pod the other day that was discussing they, a bunch of rocket scientists and people familiar with rocket science tried to use chat GPT to like build a rocket, like simulate building a rocket based on its information. And I guess, you know, the first version of it would have blown up in seconds for a variety of reasons <laughs> because, you know, it's trained to essentially tell us like, you know, what we want to hear based on the pool and not like, so it had a lot of conflicting ideas in the same thing, but then I guess they ran it through a second time and it was pretty close. So I think we got to, I'm getting to the point where I'm like, do we just have to make friends with Skynet or we're going to be not be on like the protected roles, you know? Yeah. Like, seems like we have, we should have some kind of ground rules and at the very least to protect like creators who like make art and write stuff because it's essentially just pulling from all of that information. And that's the yeah, other thing, like right. it comes from, you know, people like what they post online. And so it, it's presented in a very like authoritative way. And then you're like, could this just be from some drunk guy on Reddit? <laughs> <laughs> right. It could be right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, get, I'm getting the sense. I'm like, like the creative side of things that, I mean, they're trying to figure out, you know, like, um, I don't know, you know, like, like who's responsible essentially for the things that artificial intelligence produces and like, yep. say, you know, it produces something that's, uh, you know, racist or problematic or something like that is the person who actually generates it responsible or is the AI responsible. And that's something we're going to have to figure out pretty soon, I think, because it's getting into like, you know, sort of the crunch time of, of what's going to happen there. I, I get the feeling that we're just going to have to have like two worlds, you know, one that's, hey, we're free of all this stuff and hey, we're utilizing this stuff. But I don't, I don't know if there's going to be able to be like a middle ground, you know? Yeah. It seems like there's the, the interim is just going to be like kind of a free for all. <laughs> it's yes. going to be pretty wild. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Well, what are we going to do about that? You know, I can't guess. I, the one thing that made me feel good, my brother-in-law put into one of the machines, uh, write me a gaslight anthem song about a girl from New Jersey. <laughs> and I sent it to the band because of how comical, I mean, literally like chat GPT thinks you should have five choruses in the song. Like, so, you know, right there, they're bad songwriters, a little long in the tooth, you know? Well, Metallica has is is one to always continue to do a chorus one more time than is needed. <laughs> I believe in the the Tom Petty school of thought. Don't bore us. Get yep. to the chorus. You know, <laughs> let's not fuck around. <laughs> so, speaking of which, you're talking about your uh, your day job. What what do you do for uh, a day job? What kind of work you in? I'm in like media sales. I sell sell advertising, like TV advertising. It's good. Okay, it's interesting. Good enough. Is that you've been doing that a long time? Yeah, kind of. I fell into it for a while and then it's just something that kept moving on and just like I liked it enough for it to be, you know, something that I, I didn't make me lose my mind and kept like a good sanity and balance to what I do in the music world. That's cool. Yeah. And are you uh, are you remote? 
Uh, I was, and it was, it was great. It was glorious, but now it's kind of like half and half. So I'm home okay. today, which is amazing. I love being home. Do you work in the city? Yeah. Are you a, a, a Long Island Railroad user or do you drive? Uh, dude, I'm a new Long Island Railroad user. Oh, yeah, I was, I lived it? in, I lived in Brooklyn for a little less than 15 years. Um, and then I recently moved back to Long Island where I'm originally from, which is, right. An interesting thing, something I didn't necessarily think I would ever do, but right. here I am, back on Long are you, Island. Are you like back? Are you like in the burbs? Yeah, I'm in the burbs, like straight up, like a North Shore, Huntington area. So it's a good town. It's okay. fun. It's like where the Paramount yeah. is. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I'm gonna be there soon, actually. Oh, right on. Do you know about this? Last time I was at the Paramount, uh, a sound guy of ours who was from Long Island was stressing the cold cheese slice. Oh, There's yeah. a place like right next to the Paramount that takes a slice, heats it up, dumps a bunch of cold cheese on it and hands it to you. And you kind of eat it while it's melting in. Do you know of this place? Uh, of, of, Benny, of course I do. Yes, it's Little Vincent's. <laughs> it's Little Vincent's. And let me tell you something, man. You're from Jersey, right? I am. I am. Okay, so you, I'm assuming you have a, a cultured pizza palate. Because Jersey is great. It's overrated, I've, I've, man. I've worked at places called Alfonso's and <laughs> There you Paulie's. go. I've worked, so, at, yeah, I, I worked at three pizza places in my oh, career. Okay, um, yeah. I got it's, it's just overrated. It's it's like, I guess it's novel. It's good if you've had, you know, 50 Bud Lights. But other right, than that, right. it's, it's not great, man. There's a place called Rose's, also in Huntington, that is better. Is it unique to just that area of, like, Long Island or just these places? I think just those places, but it's definitely huh. gotten some notoriety on it. And I feel like there's probably some, some copycats. But listen, yeah. is there cheese on it before you dump the yeah. cold cheese on? It's like, yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. like ordering an extra cheese slice, but instead of cooking it on, they, they just, just heat up on. the slice and then dump the cold cheese on. Cause they're fucking lazy. It's like, well, it's a regular <laughs> pizza that is hot. And then they just, at, right before serving it, yeah. put like a comical amount of, right, of, yeah. cheese, like, of yeah. cheese on top of it. it it's it's like, like, it's whatever. It's like the pizza <laughs> version of like a cheesy gordita crunch or something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. It's just shtick. Oh, but it's I, fine, I guess. It's good I had to try it the once. one time. I liked it. I, I mean, yeah. I thought it was good, but yeah, I didn't think I would make it a regular thing. What do you think of the Paramount? Isn't it like the nicest venue ever? Yeah. It's super sleek. Like, it's amazing. You know, yeah, really nice place. Yeah. Don't mind it at all. It's so Definitely nice. A lot different than the spots I was used to in Long Island growing <laughs> up. So, yeah, no, it sounds good. about right. So, you were in, how, how do you find the adjustment from like, I, I just, I recently did the same thing where I went from Jersey City back out to like the, you know, the Burbs borderline forest. You know, it's definitely a huge adjustment again. I, like, what are, what are you finding to be like the ups and downs of that? Oh man. Yeah. It is a huge adjustment. It, it's I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I mean, it's a lot slower and right. I guess with Brooklyn, like it's a little bit of a sensory overload at all times. I mean, any, any metropolitan places like that. Right. So like things are a little bit slower here and I kind of felt like this was the vibe I was looking for and it got very, New York can be very like Peter Pan syndrome where like you base your life around like what restaurant and bar you're going to like every night, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> not yeah, every night, uh -huh. but you know what I mean? And so yeah, I was like, sure. I need some, 
I need some normalcy. Long Island specifically, I mean, I would say I have a love-hate relationship with it. I'm assuming a lot of people do. But it is kind of analogous to Jersey, right? There's a oh, lot of sure. a lot of characters, a lot of yeah. uh, a lot of esoteric culture, but it's it's uh, it's something I'm used to. That's for sure. Yeah, I've never really understood the Long Island, New Jersey, like contention because I do feel like if anyone should understand each other in America, it's Long Island and New Jersey. It, dude, you it's know? like the same place. It's basically the same place. <laughs> it's the same place. Yeah. Different accent a little bit, but yeah, like things are, and, and I think because of it, you know, the things we grew up with, especially, you know, like punk and hardcore bands and the kind of scenes, it's sort of a unique place where that stuff is really fertile, you know, cause you're so close to the city and you have access to all that stuff, but you know, it's kids living in the suburbs with a little more supplemental money and basements and things like that to actually get these things started and cooking, you know? So I, I think like the scenes are, are, are really similar. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is that how, how many people actually live here? Like it's this right. giant, co- I, I, there's some stat, I'm going to butcher this, but it's like, <laughs> if you had Long Island on its own, it would be like the 10th most populous state or something crazy like that. Is that right? Yeah, something, some kind of stat like that. And I think it's a matter of like, there's a tremendous amount of people. There's, it's very suburban. And so I think there's a lot of young people that are like looking for things to do. And then it's also, it's insular, right? Like it's annoying to go places. You realize that really fast. Like when you want to go, when you want to leave, you have a very, very few options and there's a lot of traffic with every option. And you, right. it's like yeah. you do have that trapped kind of a feeling that sucks. And uniquely, it has like two highways. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, two highways. Right. I, and then like with what's happening in Manhattan, like they, they're making it increasingly difficult to like have a car and like drive through Manhattan. Right. Yeah, but there, yeah, yeah. I think people are forgetting that like there's, it's a major like road and people need to go through it. So like it just, you feel <laughs> trapped a little bit. Sure. Oh, wow. You're right. You, 7.6 million people in Long Island. Insane. Now, does that include Brooklyn or not? No. It's just I, Long Island without the, the most borough. populous island in the United States and the 18th most populous globally. It's impressive. Oh, wait. No, you're right. It does include Long Island or Brooklyn for some reason. I was going to say there's some double counting. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, this is the big art. Like Brooklyn and Queens are on the island of Long Island. Yeah. But they're also yeah. two of the five boroughs in New York City. Yeah, it says the islands divided four counties, Kings, Queens, Nassau, and Suffolk. Oh, okay, okay. But that would be like, just that would be, what, one of the largest cities in America easily. Yeah. Seven and a half million. It's kind of a scary statistic. <laughs> yeah, like Jesus, especially that close to the water. I know. What is everyone going to do when the big wave comes? You know? Yeah, what are you going to do if you're going to get off that island fast? <laughs> no chance. <laughs> I, I live on the North Shore, so I, I think I'm cool. But on the you South Shore, swim. it's like flooding <laughs> USA down there. Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't be. I'm watching this one Apple show about the environment going insane, and it's it's changed my uh, my recent perspective on that. I'm glad I moved inland, actually. Have you guys ever, like, just looked at or been to slash like seen pictures of the building in Miami, like all the, um, all the, the high rises and stuff. You, you look at how close it is and you're like, what are you guys doing? 
Like what, yeah. what, what is the plan here? Like this yeah. is all supposed to be underwater and like not that long of a time. Yeah. Yeah. I think no. that stuff always comes down to like capitalism meets sensibility, you know, yep. because rich people want to be on the water. They want the nicest views. So they're willing to rebuild there. And whenever they're, you know, infrastructure collapses, they're going to be the ones who have, you know, the ability to get away from it yeah. and just leave these giant buildings that they made. I mean, yeah. we watched that, uh, you know, there's a, a small stretch of island in New Jersey called Long Beach Island that got, yep. um, you know, wrecked during uh, Hurricane Sandy. And shortly thereafter, you know, you're watching them literally suck sand from the middle of the ocean to replenish the beaches to make them long to keep tourists coming. And then the building just got more and more and worse and worse afterwards. And it's, you know, like you're literally watching the ocean tell you, no, no, no. Like this is where I stop now. You know, <laughs> like I stop here now. I just showed you where I stopped. Like, why are you, why are you doing this? I'm just going to come back, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys think it's like also analogous to what is that, uh, that saying where it's like the frog in the boiling water where like it doesn't notice it if it's gradual, oh, yeah. like where people are just mm. like, well, it's a beautiful day today. So like yeah. if you right. human beings like can't think on like a longer timeline. And so yeah. when you can't like physically see it and touch it, it's just like, okay, things are probably fine then. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really valid for sure. And then just like attuned to kind of like our selfish nature too, right? Like, I mean, if you're, 60 years old and you're living the good life on this island and you know you'll probably be all right you're like fuck <laughs> it i'm gone in 15 years so yeah you know i'm just gonna That's... enjoy this while it lasts and uh someone else better learn how to swim you know <laughs> so messed up <laughs> and sadly in this country i mean i feel like wow this is gonna go off the rails real fast but you know it's also like a religious sensibility sometimes i think is is devastating to what we're doing here because People don't, this isn't our final place in their eyes. You know what I mean? Right. They're just biding time until the nice place with no floods. Um, so like, I, I think sadly that's part of it is just like, I don't have to care about this place that much. God has a plan. Yeah. Cause he, he has a plan. This is all, you know, out of my hands anyway. Yep. You know, someone else is dictating it. And in like 20 years, I'm going to be like sitting on a cloud with my grandma, you know, like, you know, having fun and, you know, and we'll just watch from up there. So yeah, it's, it's, I, I think, you know, it's, it's a good way to, you know, lead into your band because I feel like that, that struggle is, is pretty concurrent in, in your music and lyrics, like the, exactly what we're talking about. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know if I think when it comes to that, like we, you know, we we play, we're we're ultimately like a hardcore band we feel like that's our in our dna and like with our ages and like where we came from like talking about those types of things was kind of just like what you do as a hardcore band because the right. kind of the late 90s scene that we were influenced by like was that that's that was so like at the forefront like if you look at how like almost like activist, the band like Earth Crisis was not like we're a vegan straight edge or anything, but still just sure. like that, putting that at the forefront in terms of a lyrical perspective. I think that always kind of rubbed off on me. And this, it was just sort of like, it's, it's what you do with this kind of a band. That's right. Um, yeah. 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 Music without a stance in hardcore is, it's a little tough to digest sometimes, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, 
I guess it was that that like era that really resonated with us. Sure. I felt like I didn't even know another option, and and even though like I liked, and as we've gone on, like I've I've tried to bring in more like personal elements, and I have, but like we never started off with like the an style of lyrical content, like something like that. It always kind of stuck to more of like the late nineties, but be heavy hardcore. Strife, sure. indecision, things like that. That was yeah. Really I heard. You, I heard Strife was a big band for you. Yeah, Strife was a huge, a huge influence on me. Kind of like the first. I got a lot. I got into hardcore like the opposite. I think most people, the opposite of like a lot of people, where you 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 get like turned on to like a bigger band, and then you discover your local scene. For me, oh, like yeah, I discovered sure. my local scene. And then found out about bigger hardcore bands, and yeah, so and Strife yeah. was the first one that was like, "Oh wow, there are bands doing this on like a a way bigger scale than like sure. you know in my town." Yeah, I was kind of the same as you actually. Like, I I saw some of the local Central Jersey hardcore bands were like the gods of hardcore to me, and I didn't realize until. But I mean, even at that point, you know, it's kind of funny when we think about it because. I thought, you know, in the mid nineties that a band like Strife, I thought they were huge, you know, like I thought like they were probably like rolling in money. Yeah. Like selling tons of records, doing good. And to think back, I'm sure everybody in Strife was going home and working normal jobs, you know, because, but, but in the hardcore scene, I don't think it was until, you know, maybe Sick of It All was sort of an exception, I guess, through that. Um, but I don't think it was until that, like, you know, later in the 90s where, like, bands like Snapcase and then, like, Hatebreed, you know, got kind of crossed over into that, like, metal world and picked up, you know, X amount of more fans where I think it, it even became a possibility to play, like, hardcore music as a full-time job, you know? That's why yeah. I really don't blame all these bands who are doing, re like, I hate hearing all oh, their cash grabbing, you know, because they're doing a reunion 20 years later. I'm like, you know what? The money wasn't there when they were playing. <laughs> I know. And like, you know, if a band like Botch wants to come sell out fucking shows when, you know, I watched 20 years of hardcore basically biting Botch, you know, and like, <laughs> like dripping off their nuts. And then, and then like if these guys want to actually make a piece of their own cheddar, like they kind of deserve it. Think, you know, I especially I mean, Botch is such a good example because like you said, there's there was such an influential band. And that's kind of like what happens. I feel like like the first type of band that does something new is like not necessarily appreciated in their time. And then there's just bands that are kind of pulling from that well. And some of those bands become more popular. Yeah, but I, sure. I mean, like, yeah, it, it, that's always been weird, especially like talking on this topic now when hardcore kind of is getting pulled into more of the heavy air quotes mainstream. I mean, like yeah, right. you obviously had like Cro-Mags and stuff flirt with a lot of this and get on metal tours and some, and, and AF and then strife like was huge, but in hardcore, but, but at right, that time, like, terms, yeah. yeah, but even like a band like VOD, right? Like VOD was drawing a thousand people on Long Island. You know right. what I mean? Like they were, they were doing huge numbers in a full DIY capacity, but you're right. Like there wasn't any of that bigger kind of crossover, like Madball did some bigger things. 
Um, and there, there was like attempts for it to be a little bit more commercially viable, but now it, it kind of seems like it's more popular than ever. I mean, we've been doing this band for like 16 years and like seeing, you know, some of these festivals now, it, it's just, it's kind of incredible to, to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And there's always like a little kid part of me that's like, ah, this is mine, you know, but then like in reality, just based on being adult humans in the world, trying to navigate it, like. You know, you just see so many people make so much money for bullshit reasons, you know, and I'm like, you know, people playing guitar, playing great music, you know, like, like pay these motherfuckers. Good. Like, I'm <laughs> yeah. happy. You know? I, that, well, that's dude, that's a funny observation, too, because I think now, I mean, you probably remember the whole like sellout thing with all bands, oh, yeah. and, right? I don't know if that exists anymore. I no. think a lot of people for the exact reason that you said, like with how difficult it is to, to make money basically and sustain yourself. Like, I think a lot of people are now of the attitude are like, good on you guys, like good on you. If you can make some money doing it, if you can do a bigger tour, if bands go out with like, you know, scowl went out with heat with not hate, with limp biscuit. And like, right. I think people were like, that's sick. Awesome. Like good for yeah. them. You know what I mean? Like, I think you kind of want, you want to see people win in at least in this genre, especially when you compare it to like actual popular music like hip hop, right? Which is like orders of magnitude more popular than the biggest right. hardcore band. I mean, I would like to say that, but I also think it's like a sensibility of like older people, you know, and I do like even someone like Turnstile, who I love. Yeah. Um, you know, I saw that pushback and and it comes from, simple places, you know, like uh, a 17 year old kid maybe doesn't have 35 bucks to go see a band, you know, like yep. if you're going to a turnstile show these days and you're getting there and you're getting a shirt and you're doing the thing, you're probably in like a hundred bucks for the night, you know, a hundred bucks to a 16 year old is like $10 million. Um, <laughs> you know, so I do think like, I think it probably still exists, but I, I do think you're correct where like just that, the general, like, you're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to charge this much. You know, the idea that you can live off your own music, I think has become a much more understood concept. You know, I, I, I totally agree there. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's going to be a natural cap on this kind of music. I mean, yeah, if you, if, sure. you if you look at like, de like death core, I don't even really know what you call it, but like new metal, like with how, how like, extreme it is and how popular some of the bands are. It is kind yeah. of amazing, but like, is, I think yeah. a lot of the current attention in hardcore is more of probably, unfortunately, like a gawking spectacle, like look how crazy this live thing is. And it's very yeah. like, it's very TikTok driven, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think because of the nature of the music and how off-putting it is to like 99% of humanity <laughs> right. yeah, and, yeah. It, and not even accounting for like the violence that shows like, sure. I, 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 I'm, I'm not, uh, my money is not on, you know, um, whatever, like some, some mosh band opening for, you know, Dua Lipa or anything like that. I, I think <laughs> yeah, there's still, yeah, a, <laughs> I think there's still a pretty hard ceiling on these things. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. So you you grew up a lot. I heard that your your sisters kind of kind of got you into music. Do you have a a big family? Like like how was your entry into into the punk hardcore scene like that? 
Yeah, I mean, I let's see. I have two older sisters, um, and they were both always into cool music. One of them's nine years older, and one of them's five years older. And oh, okay. we come from like a musical family. And my my mom and my uh, my my grandfather on my mom's side, he was like a, I he was probably kind of like a virtuoso musician, like could oh, really? legit pick up. I, I, I you've probably met people like this, but like could pick up like a saxophone and be like like mess around with it. And then like, after like, you know, 15 minutes could like play a song on a saxophone. It's like, how can you yeah, do that? Right. Like their ear yeah. is so good. But so that was kind of like, did the, he just do it casually or did he actually play just, just casually played, wow. but like at parties, like the, the family parties was always around music. It was kind of a cool experience to see and like be a part of that. And then oh, that's awesome. my sister was dating somebody and he left a CD book at our house. And that was kind of like after I had already kind of been involved in the classic, you know, kid my age upbringing of like punk rama CDs and victory style. Right. Which like, right. I feel like got yeah. like everybody into music, but he had left more like, uh, you know, New York hardcore type stuff and like things that maybe I wouldn't have experienced from that. So like, I got into floor punch. So nice little oh, Jersey, nod, like yeah. stuff like that. And then I learned a little bit about some of the older hardcore bands and it kind of happened at the time that I was discovering the local scene. Cause I, I had, I had grown up playing the drums and kind of all I wanted to do was play drums in a band. And so I would always go to some of the local shows on long Island. It was like a very insular kind of community. So I was like, really, we were lucky to kind of have that. So my favorite bands were, bands nobody heard of they were local bands right. like local bands yeah yeah so that it was just like it was a really cool way to kind of get into the into the music and into the scene what was your what was your first show like your first like proper hardcore show in long island my first proper hardcore show on long island was a band called subterfuge um okay. who a couple of those guys went to play in this is hell uh okay. you guys have probably heard of yeah. and they played at the mall they were oh, at really? a store. They were at a, they played at a store in the mall. Then they had gone to my high school and they're all like, I guess they're like three years older than me. And so yeah. it was like, I was like, these are the coolest guys I've ever seen. Sure. Um, played, they were a three piece and would like the drummer would sing and the guitar player. I was like, God, this is so sick. Um, nice. And uh, yeah, I think that was my first official one. And then there was a, like a house that had a basement by my house called the cesspool. And they used to put okay. on basement shows and I would ride my bike there and then go to those shows. I was like very highly intimidated, but I kind of got in through it there. And um, that was probably like, God, 1997, 1998, maybe. Okay. What kind of drew you to it? I mean, like, were you kind of already leaning, you know, in your head just towards, you know, alternative culture and thought? Was it the heaviness? Like, what do you think really like kind of grabbed you about it? I think... So I got, I, at the same time I was like kind of exploring or I was just like really into BMX, right. Kind of like, I never really skateboarded cause I was terrible at it, but I got really into <laughs> BMX. And so the magazines and seeing guys wear band shirts and then like the mm. soundtracks of some of the right. videos. And then I, I really like, I was super into the drums and I was drawn by like punk drumming just like the speed of it. Like when hmm. I, I got into bands like Pennywise 
And I remember just being like, how can this dude play the drum so fast? Like the the punk (laughs) beat, like, like 14 year old Brendan could not wrap his head around the punk beat. And I was just like, this is, this is impossible. How could anybody do this? Um, And so like, I was like kind of drawn to like the, the energy of like the music and then the live shows at the time on Long Island, it wasn't really like super violent. And so yeah. it wasn't until much later when I went to college in, in New England that I was like, oh, okay, this is a little bit different from Long Island. So and it wasn't as like um, intimidating to me, I think, when I was younger from like, mm-hmm. a, uh, like a, a mosh violence perspective. Right. Um, and so it just, I think that made it like a little bit easier. Things were still pretty like a little melodic and kind of into the melodic faster hardcore time. And so um, I, I, I think it also like, kind of scratched the like, you know, aggression itch for me also. Sure. Like between that and BMX. When did yeah, you, was, when did you officially retire from drumming or have you not? I'm, I, I have picked back up my friend. That was one yeah. of the best. Re- yeah. I'm, I'm back in the go. kit. I'm Come back on. on the kit. I got, That's your boy's got a Roland, a sweet Roland V2, whatever. <laughs> There's like 80,000 models. And that was, I should have mentioned that. What is one of the benefits of, the suburbs is his space. So oh, I'm yeah, back on the go. kit. Um, nice. I, uh, incendiary killed my drumming career and <laughs> incendiary and, and living in the city basically, because right, I, yeah. I played the drums all through high school. I played in college and I played drums and bands in college. And then I didn't, I basically stopped playing because I was like, I can't stand carrying my shit around anymore, which I'm sure you can in- intimately relate to. So yeah, my, I, my I neck was like, and my back know all about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to try my hand at this. And then between a okay. couple variables, not playing the drums in, in incendiary number two, having an apartment in the city yeah. um, where I Makes can't play drums. Possible. Yeah. And then the biggest reason, honestly, man, that I stopped playing is because I play drums left-handed and ah. even though I'm around drums all the time, I can't play backwards. So right. like, I, I just was every kit that I was around. I'm like, I don't want to play cause I can't play this way. So yeah. it just, I just stopped. That is hard. I remember I, I used to live in a house in a town called Highland park, which is right next to new Brunswick. And right around the corner was, um, uh, Chris Ross's house, who was the drummer oh, yeah. in Ensign, Nora, know you know, yeah, recently like Second Arrows. He was like an older brother for me, like in, in reality. And that was the one th- I couldn't keep a, a kit in the house I lived in. And Ross is a fucking lefty. So I would, <laughs> <laughs> I would have this like beautiful like kit. And, you know, he had all the bells and tons of little toms and fun stuff, you know, and I could never, I, I totally get it. Cause I used to try to like practice at his house. I'm like, I just can't do it. I can't. It's too hard. When I first started, I played like the open hand on the righty kit. Yeah. And then my uncle played drums and he was like, you should match up your left hand with your left foot. And I switched and like, I don't know if that was the best idea. So yeah. I mean, I'm a lefty in, in guy hindsight, now. if we learned it, we would have just been so ambidextrous. So, so when Incendiary started, you were, you were all the singer from the start, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was a singer from the start and I was excited to get back to New York. And like, I was very focused on starting a band because I went away to college, which I was, had some good things and some bad things, but like, 
I had a lot of FOMO because I was still, a, you know, most of my friends were still at home and sure. doing bands and touring and, you know, going to shows. And I missed a lot of that. And so I kind of was ready to jump back into to Long Island when I, when I came back. And so I was focused on doing that and putting a band together and things like that. And what, how did you make that jump into like into songwriting and singing from, from that? Well, on the, on the writing side, it kind of came naturally. I always felt like I could write. I mean, singing, I, pff, dude, I mean, I think it was the trajectory of every hardcore singer where no idea what I was doing. <laughs> Initially trying to sound like, you know, Scott Vogel, completely blowing out my voice. Um, and my friend was like, why don't you just try yelling instead of trying to like sound a certain way? Yeah. And I right. was like, okay, I can give that a shot. And mm-hmm. so I, I kind of tried to do things a little bit more naturally and over a period of a very long time, I feel like, I guess I got a little bit better at it. Um, but it was, it was a work in progress for sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I noticed like, you know, I, I've been listening to y'all for a while and then I just, you know, listened to the new record as well when, when Tim sent it to me. Oh, awesome. And it's great. And I, I noticed too, like, one thing that stands out that I quite like is that your enunciation is really clear. You know, the lyrics come across easily, which is lacking sometimes in hardcore, you know, like um, especially if a band wants a damn sing along from time to time. Um, so do, do you make like, is that a conscious effort in your, in your singing to, to, to make sure people can actually like hear what you're trying to say? Yeah, it is. I think like, I guess, over time, I've tried to have more consistency with like the recording process and playing live. I think like bands mm-hmm. are always trying to toe the line between wanting things to sound natural and authentic, but also obviously you're recording an album. You want it to sound great and you you want certain bells and whistles in production. But I think early on, you know, most bands first hardcore album is like the, the, the singer, you know, every word, some guys like literally every word, just like screaming their balls off as, as much as possible. And like, I always, I think part of it is just like the natural sound of my voice, but over time I tried to have the record sound a little bit more natural to maybe Mm. how I sound live. And, and part of that is more of like, and in, like an enunciation, but also just like more dynamics where like, I, I'm not going balls to the wall 10 out of 10 times for every single syllable. Um, right, and right. I just felt like that naturalness maybe like lent itself better to me. Um, I didn't, I didn't actually realize that whole thing until like I would go to see either my friends record or I would have someone do guest vocals where like they, they would legitimately do like a single word at a time sometimes. And I was right. like, wow, that seems yeah. like pretty wild to me. Like I, I can at least do lines and stuff like that. So yeah. I feel like I've tried to, again, like have things flow a little bit more naturally. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I heard that you, you, you kind of hate the studio. Oh, dude. Of course, yeah, it's awful. I mean, I, but here's the thing. When I, when I say that, I mean, recording vocals is obviously horrible. I, I, I maybe <laughs> singers like it, but it's, why is it's it a, obviously horrible? Like, well, because it's so, I mean, it's general? so like, I guess because it's one, it's so physically taxing. Yeah. Uh, sure. Two, because I think there's a, like your, you're basically doing it oftentimes in front of like a large group of people that are yes. just sitting there being like, yeah, you could do better than that. Right. And then That's three, so usually your lyrics are getting picked apart in near real time while you're <laughs> recording where it's like, really, you're going to, you're going to go with that line. Okay. All right. Well, oh, no, 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 geez. that's fine. You know, like stuff like that. So, yeah. um, the, the act of recording vocals is usually pretty brutal recording the <laughs> records with will, I mean, has been amazing and his new studio is like unbelievable um he's out in jersey too and so yeah, he's been you know really like a he, he's been a huge help for us in a lot of ways and i think gets us out of our comfort zone a little bit and so the last experience was the most pleasant but the physical act of recording is is the closest thing to hell i can think of <laughs> <laughs> It is. It is so exposing. I, I especially. I couldn't imagine like picking apart someone's lyrics while they're in there. I mean, that's no way to to get the best out of anybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like everyone's pretty cool with it, and like you know, I you. It's just funny with lyrics because you spend so much time on them, and you're kind of like in your own head. And then there's this like grand unveiling where your band members are there, and the producers there, and you're you know, it's like sort of a vulnerable position, and people are sure. looking at them for the first time, and so. I, I usually was would try to be prepared. Like I was just talking about this. Like you hear some guys being like, "Yeah, I wrote a lot of this in the studio," and like that is my nightmare. Like from, from like a from like a <laughs> right. type A like organized person, I'm like, "Oh my god, I can't imagine having to write lyrics like last minute on the fly." Right. It sounds so stressful. <laughs> 
So are you all like a very well-rehearsed band before you go in? Yeah, yeah. Incendiaries, the enemy of incendiaries time, we like to say. And so we <laughs> usually have we usually have things pretty down pat. Like the 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 joke is like, you know, when people are asking like whether you're, you want to do like a split or like a flexi disc, like, hey, do you have like any unreleased songs lying around? It's like, mm, that's not how we work. We, we yeah. go in, we're going to record 10 songs. We have prepared 10 songs. We're fully ready to rock. Um, and, and we're, and we're good to go. So we're usually pretty rehearsed. I would say actually this one, we spent way more time on like pre-production more yeah, than we ever have. I was just going to ask that. Did, yeah. Did you work with Will on, on pre-pro? We did. He's, he, he's super helpful and it, and it, it's, he's good to, to be like that impartial third party. Cause I, sure. again, like I think with, with writing, depending on how you do it, like you, you just can often get in your own head. Um, yeah. and the, the hack is, in my opinion, is like knowing when to cut it and being like, mm. this song is done. Um, right. And Will yeah. is good at that because I think a lot of bands and a lot of musicians, a lot of the like kind of the bands that don't maybe don't really get anywhere. I, I think a big reason of it is they just they can't get out of their own way. They're always 100%. revisiting material. We had these songs and we shelved them. And it's like, guys, just yeah. just. Put the songs out and play. Just shows. put the fucking songs Just out. Just put right the fucking right. songs yeah. out. I know. Everyone knows people like that. Yeah, that might be like if, if you know, I hate answering those questions. Like if you could give a piece of advice to like a younger artist or something, but that is like, you know, a, a huge thing where it's just like you're so much better off completing a song, releasing a song, it's done, and then go write another one. Don't yeah. sit there with the same one for like three years trying to make it perfect. Cause sorry, like it's not going to be perfect ever. A hundred percent. Just got to get the fucking, yeah. Just put it out. Just put it. It's, it's the same thing of like, you'll talk to some bands and they, it, everything is over strategized and engineered within an inch of its life. Like, well, we were going to release the song now, but we're trying to have an accompanying, you know, camp social camp. And it's like, guys play shows. Put out yeah. a song and and play shows. That's mm -hmm. it. Everything else will come. I just think you can over-engineer things a lot nowadays yeah. and kind of like get in your own way. 100%. Yeah, that's true. Well, speaking of lyrics, I mean, a lot of your lyrics historically kind of, you know, allude to seeing, you know, society, particularly American society and government in a, in a pretty tragic state, which I don't disagree um, I mean, are you like a, a news junkie? Are you someone who's, you know, consuming the state of the world like all the time? I, I try to be. I think I'm pretty up to speed on things. And I'm like, I do read a lot. I think a lot of a lot of the lyrics and stuff kind of coincide with like my age and like mm. things that happened in the world where like, I think roughly my generation, kind of like late 30s, early 40s, like you come out of school and you're like, all right, here you go. I'm ready to rock. And then things aren't necessarily what you thought that they were going to be or what you're told. Right. And, you sure. know, I when I came out of college, it was the financial crisis and then jobs were bad. And so, like, I, I think a lot of those were like a time and a place where I was trying to come to terms with like, you have a you have a vision of what the world is going to be when you're younger. And then 
you grow up and you're like, oh, I don't think the world bothered to ask me my opinion. And it's, it's a totally different way. And, right. and so I think a lot of the lyrics are like me trying to navigate that and seeing sure. some of the the writing on the walls with certain things, like as an outsider. Um, and that's kind of the way that I always tried to like make sense of it. But I mean, I think, I think after in like a Trump and post Trump world, it's, I think it, the news consumption thing tested even the most dedicated of us. <laughs> and you're yes. just like, all right, I'm, I'm out. This is, I can't take this anymore. I, I, I legitimately think like consuming too much news is like, is like is bad for your health after a while. Oh, oh it's yeah, way well, bad for your health. It's been proven. It's so bad, man. It, it, it's yeah. like, I, I have, I, I got, I'm on this email. I use this email chain, whatever it's called 1440. And it's just okay. like, AP style, like, just like, this is the, this is the story, like no commentary, just brief high level stuff. And I read that every morning and that's been pretty good. And I read like, you know, I'll read world wall street journal sometimes and, and I'll read the times, but I, I, I found myself kind of like giving up on a lot of stuff, unfortunately. Yeah. No, I mean, 30, 40 years ago you had, news that was very neutral like and, yeah. and boring and covered a broad spectrum you know basically was all the news it wasn't just all the bad news and you know now that it's all driven by commercialism they just put out the bad news because that's what people want to want to focus on i mean that's what get draws you in right and so i think result, it's almost it's like the emotional horrible. side of it that's where i think like the social media age comes into play because we've kind of gotten accustomed to not receiving the news, but receiving people's reactions to the news. Right. You know? But I'm saying and even before that, when like CNN and places were just, they re- and look at the weather channel. Yeah. It's, it's the, <laughs> Brad, you're right. It's, it's the 24 hour news cycle. I mean, that was the game yeah. changer, right? Like they had to fill this space. And yeah. be, because, you know, everything in my opinion, like social media, a thousand percent, but like ultimately, a lot of this comes down to like an ad supported business model. And so when things switch to digital consumption, you, a lot of companies are trying to do down the middle, just the facts. And then the sturdy little secret is it ain't got, ain't that good for business. And so it's, it's hard, man. It's really difficult. I think for companies trying to figure it out. Yeah. So what do you think? Like, uh, you know, the future has in store for us with that stuff. Oh my God. What a question. That's if I, I would be a billionaire if I knew that. I, I yeah. think, I think I, the, the thing that gives me a lot of like, or some comfort is I do think you can feel a little bit of the tide turning on social media mm. where now you do kind of see things like, Hey, maybe this is sort of destroying all of the lives of everyone we know and leading to teen suicide and like yeah. all of these problems. Like there is an awareness that's happening. Um, and I think that's kind of the first, right? Like awareness is the first step. So like, sure. I do think there is a little bit of a groundswell of just general like societal knowledge of people being like, I don't think this is good for us in terms right, of social media, right? Like, so I, to me, that's like a kind of a good thing. And then where it goes, I, I it depends on the algorithms, right? I think you're getting people yeah. that are getting their own, their own reality in their own world. 
it, it's hard to be it's hard to be optimistic on this topic if I'm honest with you. Sure. Yeah. No, it's a hard thing to find. I do think you're right that it's it's shifting a bit. I mean, I've been saying for years that like I think the the open consumption of what we've been consuming is going to be looked at like smoking cigarettes in like 25 years. Right. Like it's just going to be common medical knowledge that this is hurting people. I mean, I couldn't possibly agree with you anymore. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Eventually, it's, you know, like something's got to give. Sadly, you know, I, I don't think it's just American culture, but culture in general is usually so reactionary that something awful is going to have to happen first, you know, to to, to make it pivot. Um, but yeah, I... My new policy these days is if you don't have my phone number, you're not allowed to enrage me. So I like that. <laughs> so, I like that. Like, that's where if anything, I see anything on social media that, that really like gets under my skin and I'm only down to Instagram these days. So, you know, I'm in like the safest one, I think. Um, and yeah, yeah. Like just if I see anything, I must have like 4,000 people blocked. On, on that. Cause if you just say anything remotely off color like that, I'm just like, all right, I never need to hear from you again. Cause I don't know who you are. I never did. So you're not allowed to make me mad. You know? I know it's, it's like a cesspool. Yeah. I'm, I'm down to just Instagram too. And I try, I try to, I try to say that's like, you know, that that's at least like a, a little bit better, but it's, you realize like kind of to your point, it's like, why do I let this take up real estate in my head? Like this yeah. stuff is insane. And then you go like, I don't know if you've ever, so I had to use Facebook to like sell something on Facebook marketplace. And so I like logged back on for the first time in, you know, like years. And I'm like, wow, this is insane that this is still a thing that people use and like talking about all kinds of stuff. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. It's a wild place. I was, <laughs> I was struck, um, with one of the new songs, uh, it's a lie of Liberty. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like there was um, a line that was like, kneel before your coiled snake and, and referred to kind of the cosplay soldiers. Is this sort of like, it, it sort of struck me because I'm, uh, you know, where I moved, I see a lot of, a lot of trucks with Punisher fucking stickers on them. And these, yeah. you know, people who are these like, you know, self-declared protectors of fucking something. I'm not sure what, <laughs> um, like, like what did that, that song kind of struck me. So I was curious, like where that came from and, and yeah. what the inspiration for that was. Yeah. I guess like kind of the same thing from like observing some changes that that song is kind of about seeing, um, the, the concept of Liberty get like, like personal liberty and personal freedoms get like co-opted and used as an excuse to kind of just be uh, a piece of shit, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. and getting kind uh -huh. of like conflating liberty with selfishness is what I like to say. Yeah, um, sure. And you kind of see the confusion that people have around the topic of personal freedoms and personal liberty and like choosing to enforce that in certain places and in, in choosing to take them away in others, like the mm. irony of, you know, um, a lot of folks that focus on personal liberty and personal freedoms being pro-life is an obvious uh, example of where things don't, don't necessarily jive. But yeah, it's yeah. just specifically about um, that concept of like the bastardization of the term liberty and not really understanding 
um, that the, the like cooperation and, um, the, the idea that like, maybe we should care about other people other than ourselves, even right. if it doesn't necessarily directly help you. Like the sure. fact that that's become kind of like a foreign concept. It, yeah. you know what it actually reminded me of? Like when I, this isn't, the song isn't like about it, but I don't know if you guys have seen anything about the, the dramatic increase in incidents on, uh, flights, like with mm. problems with like people being escorted oh, yeah. off of flights and yeah. like crazy shit with like having all kinds of disruption and people freaking out like post COVID people are like unable to like <laughs> behave as a member of society. It yeah, just like right. was so related to that to me too. Mm. Yeah. And kind of this idea that it's like your personal idea of what makes you free doesn't relate to anybody else's idea of what could make them free. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, and, and just like, not understanding the idea of like why you should care about other people. Like right. even that fact I feel like has been so lost. Um, yeah. There's a great article online. It's a couple of years old. It's called uh, the title of it is, I don't know how to explain to you why you should care about other people. And it's just about like how <laughs> lost it. Uh, so many people are about like why there is certain social advocacy programs or something like that. Like right, why right. there is things it's like, yeah, even if it doesn't affect you, 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 you should care for, you know, being a good person about how certain yeah. things affect other, other groups, other underprivileged groups, things like that. And it's, it yeah. kind of seems like it's gotten so far in that direction. It's true. Yeah. And it's, it's partly, I think what we were talking about before, which is like, there's been some, some loss of delineation where I feel like, you know, back in the day, besides for, you know, a minority of people, you know, your your politics or like what you thought about certain things didn't didn't really like identify you in the world. You know, yeah. you were identified by other things. Like, what do you actually do? Do you do something? Do you work? Do you have a career? Do you have a family? Like, what are the things that actually define you? And now I think maybe because of what we were talking about earlier, you know, like, like this, like, oh, I'm an MSNBC person. I'm a Fox person. I'm a, you know, like, and these, uh, you know, small delineations in, in law, in the constitution and things like that are now defining aspects of someone's character, which now leads you to be attacked for that aspect and vice versa, you know, like, um, like, do you think that fraction in people has something to do with it? It's, you, you know what I think it's so analogous to is, um, is sports. You can mm. see the like sport team yeah. obsession come to the, it's like the same thing. Like right. I'm a huge New York Giants fan Me and too. like, I've always Good been job. right on. No, I like you. Good work. And like, work. <laughs> but you see some people and you're like, yo man, I think the Giants are like, a. Uh, like are a, a placeholder for like some, some something deep seatedly wrong with you. Like, you know, the videos <laughs> right. of like, and oh, haha, he smashed his TV. It's like, yo, relax. Like it's just yeah. football. Like it's, you, it's, I sports. Think, yeah. it's sports guys. It's sports. Like, yeah. I think you see, I think you see that come on where it's like people's entire identity gets put into it. And oftentimes yeah. to me, if you ever meet someone that's like weirdly into their sports team, like yes. where it's like, this is unhealthy. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just like fun, clearly funneling some other like 
emotional things into it where yeah, like you clearly right. have no meaning in your life. So you put it into this. Like, right. I think, I think the, the politics thing is, has become so sportsified yeah, that yeah. it's, it's straight up giants first jets, dude. It's like yeah, the it's same teams. thing. Yeah. It's teams. It's, it's, teams. it's yeah. teams. Yeah. And CNN looks like fucking sports center now. You know, yeah. like, like like the way we consume things, it's just tickers and scrolls and like all these things that, that literally look like ESPN, you know? It's so bad. It really is. But, but it's, let's I be just honest, some, though. Yeah. Like, like doesn't being a Philadelphia Eagles fan define you a little bit? No, I'm just playing. <laughs> Please. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I have no respect for those people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. The older I get, too, I, I like, I was just a season ticket holder for Brooklyn Nets for the last, like, 10 years. Oh, nice. And if there's, if there's anything that I got a real highlight into is the fact that you are simply, you're not feeding your money to players. You're not feeding your money to a team. It's not loyalty for the place you live. It's a fucking, it's just a corporation. It's just a giant corporation taking your money. And, and when you walk around in all this gear and stuff, like you might as well be wearing like an AT&T hat or, yeah. you know, a fucking Verizon shirt or something like that and be repping it that hard. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like all you're really doing is like funneling your time and money into a completely self-interested corporate thing. And like, that's okay, you know, because it does, it's an entertainment service and it's supposed to provide you entertainment. Sometimes you pay for entertainment. But like you said, the idea of taking it to a point where you're going to fight somebody, where you're going to like burn a jersey or something like that. It's like, would you ever like, you know, burn your phone? Just, you know, on, on principle, because like Verizon had a better year than AT&T or something like never, you know, no, you gotta, it's, you gotta see it for what it is. It's so obviously the dumbest thing in the world, especially like supporting <laughs> the NFL who just like, I, I, at least I can like, I realize it. I've been, I've been doing it too long. I like, my dad was a huge Giants fan. It's just yeah, like same. in my, yeah. I, I can't, I'm like indoctrinated. I'll mm-hmm. have times where I'm just like, why do I care about this? This is such a waste of time. But I know I, I'm the same with it. the Giants. They're the team. I, you know, post like, you know, uh, CTE, post yep. Colin Kaepernick. Yep. You know, the fact that like somebody can just, you know, the NFL has made it really obvious where they stand and who they pander to. But I fucking love football. Oh, dude. I love their product. <laughs> I love too. the product. I do. I'm such a sucker. And then I see Me the too. Giants. I'm like, I'm not going to fall football this year. Fuck it. And then it's like Sunday at two o'clock. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Giants. Man. I know. I gotta know. put it on, you know, a little. Just got to see. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's tough. It's tough. Um, all right. I want to talk about something even more important than this. Uh, now, something I... Uh, I I love a good scream. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, I've been listening to hardcore for shit, like two thirds of my life now. And I'm wondering your thoughts on the all time best scream in hardcore and the current best scream in hardcore. Who has? Oh, what a question. What a question. Um, okay. So just like the best hardcore vocalist Strictly just like by sound, like the scream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, oh, Benny, you're killing me. All right. Well, so one <laughs> of them, one of them would be Mike Score from All Out War, War in oh, terms yeah. of like okay. all timers. 
Yeah. Um, another one. I mean, you got to put Vogel up there, right? Sure. You just kind of have to. Uh, he's he's a legend. Incredible. Legend. Um, now, I love Jay from Mind Force. I love Mind yeah. Force in general. He's good. Um, good group. He's great. Um, oh, God. Who else is good? Um, there's a band called Life's Question. I think they're from Baltimore. Okay. I think they're from Philly, maybe. Singer's great. Um, yeah, I could I could go on forever. Let me try to think of some all time goats. What what are you? What's on your list? Oh shit, that's. I mean, I, you know, I was definitely like, I was a fan of it at first, but have kind of started really straying away from like scream singing. You know, yeah. I, I I do think I rejected like that certain era of hardcore where you had to have like a catchy emo chorus to every song. <laughs> like yeah. that sh- kind of pisses me off. Um, so some of my, I really, really like a, a down low grizzled scream. I love coalesce. Yeah. Um, you know, dude from botch, uh, one of my local dudes, Mike Olander from, uh, Endeavor burnt by the sun. Yep. Who now sings for for the love of when they decide to play. Um, yeah, I think those are. And, uh, shit, Rob like, Fish from 108 is one of my favorite vocalists. You know, I have can't, a good. Can't, yeah, Rob Fish, sure. Um, I have a good botch story. So that guy, what's what's his singer botch's name? Uh, I I feel I feel uh, embarrassed that I have to look at it, but I do. So that he, I'm pretty sure he was in a band called Narrows. He did yes. like a project after it. Dave, Dave Varel. Dave, yeah. yeah. So I saw Narrows at Brooklyn, at Knitting Factory Brooklyn, like after they closed New York, the Manhattan one. That guy oh, yeah. had one of the loudest voices I've ever heard in my life, like the loudest natural screams. Right. Him, and then I saw um, the 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 Dill- Greg from Dillinger. I saw oh, one of his yeah. first shows at the Palladium. How the like the power of that guy's like how loud he was was like mm-hmm. the guy's a freak of nature. Um, but in terms of like volume, but yeah, there's you listed out some good ones. Like I loved him from VOD. Uh, he's an sure. all time he's an all timer. Sure. Yeah, and then I mean you got to like classic wise, you got to go like HR. You know, like like you can't fuck with bad brains. Not, maybe not necessarily the best scream, but maybe. Well, this leads into my next one, which is oh, hit me. <laughs> who's like the current best performer and all time best performer for a hardcore singer. I mean, HR is the best. Hardcore he's the best, singer, right? right? Yeah. He's the best. You uh, still see people biting it. It's like, he's amazing. Yeah. A performer, Freddie, Freddie Madball still got it, man. Yeah. He, from a performance uh-huh. standpoint, like they're great. I would say some of the newer bands. So there's a band called regulate from long mm-hmm. Island. And, uh, there are actually a lot of guys from Jersey are in the band and, uh, Seb from Regulate is just like he's a star. Like he's just a star. That's um, cool. He's an incredible younger, younger band, younger singer. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll put Mind Force back up there. Jay from Mind Force, they're incredible. Um, let me think of who else is new on like the uh, Cat from Scowl is awesome. Like their new stuff that they're doing is really cool. Um, that band Gel is awesome. Yeah, they're good. Um, there's a band from Long Island called Koyo, and they 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 just were out on with uh, Bayside and Avalanche, and they just nail the um, that Long Island melodic 
kind of like part emo, part hardcore. Like sure. they actually, I was just at the Silent Majority reunion and they, yeah. they opened that and like the Long Island have, specialty, the Long Island special, the Long Island gods. And they yeah. were, uh, they opened that and they're like the perfect Long Island sound. So I'll throw oh, that's out. Cool. Koi I'm check, I've heard the name. I haven't checked them out yet. Yeah. They're really good, man. They're awesome. Yeah. That was going to bring me into just for my own personal fun. I started putting together my own list of the best Long Island hardcore bands ever, like all time. And I came up with this list for me. I know, and we'll leave some off and you can tell me if I'm wrong. I got VOD, Silent Majority, uh, Indecision, I consider Long Island, right? It's, they'll, they'll kill you for that one. They're straight Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Straight Brooklyn. They, they were adopted by Long Island because they played yeah, Long Island okay. a lot, but they're, yeah, they're, they're Just, Brooklyn. Justin's Brooklyn not going to like that. Okay. <laughs> and then for me, Mind Over Matter. Absolutely. Was, was a very important band for me. And then I was, you know, so I'm like, do I go Glassjaw? Do I go Trip Face? This is hell. You know, that's where I was kind of, what, what's your like, can you do a top five or are you going to lose friends for doing it? No, 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 please. This is like my favorite topic in the world, man. Are you kidding me? You're, <laughs> you have a, you have a, a authoritative list. Uh, VODs up there. Um, I think VOD and silent majority are the, are the two greatest mm-hmm. uh, silent majority for is just like, they're just in the, the, the most underrated band in history. If you ask any long Island person, um, I think you could put neglect in the mix on okay. that one. Yeah. Um, love Trip Face. The uh, one band that you didn't mention, and they're like a little bit younger, but uh, is a band called Backtrack. So oh, okay. Backtrack yeah. started as that kind of at the same time as Incendiary, and they were responsible for bringing in um, like a whole new era of kids into hardcore. And they, they oh, kind of wow. like put Long Island they really rode the flag in terms of like the later two thousands of like touring, like literally everywhere around the world. Nice. And we're kind of like our, our brothers like doing shows together and are still like some of our greatest friends and went on to do like Ricky runs flat spot records now, which just did some great stuff. And Vitalo, the singer got into management and he's like, he manages turnstile now and knock loose. Oh, wow. And I think in a bunch of other bands. And so I would put them up there. Um, this is hell for sure. Um, there was a band called the backup plan, which was like, they weren't as known, but they kind of like the fast melodic hardcore for me, they were like completely, uh, completely like instrumental and influential for me growing up. Um, but we, we got a pretty good list there. Yeah. You got to put glass on the list. Uh, you put, you can put movie life too. Movie life is long Island hardcore band for sure. Yeah, I got to uh, I got to play Evan from from Movie Life's basement in Long Island when I was when I was much younger. Oh, that's and awesome! Doing shows there, yeah, yeah. Vinny's a good bud, and uh, he's still doing it. So I love yeah. that guy. Yeah, oh, awesome. wait, I got one more for you. Yeah, uh, I can't. Crime and Stereo. Oh, they were, sure. They were they're they're the great. I love them. Love Crime and Stereo, and um, they're still kind of they're still kind of doing things. It's a good list. It's, it must have been hard for you not going into the Sing Scream, considering where you're from. Yeah, I I mean, like when I think of Sing Scream, I think of like Grade, who I actually right. I love. love uh, and then yeah. I think of like the bastardization of Sing Scream. Like, yeah, well, I shouldn't say that, but like more no, of like the, no, you're the in a the, data you're remember in a safe Sing <laughs> Yeah, you're in a safe place for that because I can't stand that shit. Like, yeah, I, like I that whole know. version of Hardcore when it went from 
we're setting up for the breakdown, which is what I'm waiting for. That's what I want. And then it turned into we're setting up for like the epic chorus. The anthemic chorus. Yeah, the anthemic chorus where they're not even really singing. It's kind of like that, like half like, you know, (laughs) white dude, I can hit these two notes singing, you know, and it just gets so old so fast. Like it it wasn't my thing. Some people are super talented, but I don't don't think I'm one of them. Like I I just like, I kind of have... I know what I can do and I just try to refine that rather than yeah. I, I haven't brought the clean. I also think too, this is our fourth LP right. and in hardcore, like I'm, this is the time when you're supposed to like explore and then the band start bringing in the keyboards and you're like, <laughs> right, Oh, right. here you go. Here and then go. The boys we're talking bored. about, yeah. Yep. You know, they discover, they listen to Dinosaur Jr. for the first time or something. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, here we go. And so yeah. now we get to listen to this band, like, talk about being influenced by, you know, whatever, I don't know, uh, the Depeche Mode or something. So yeah. we're very, we were definitely very cognizant to, um, to know, you know, we're not looking for hard right or left turns. We're kind of just looking to constantly, like, refine and improve what sure. we're doing. And so I listened to... I don't know. This is my take. I listen to a lot of different kinds of music, a ton. I don't necessarily feel the need to have that be reflected in the music that I make at all times. Like I, we know what incendiary is and I think we can always like really refine and improve on that at making it more interesting. But I think anything past that is just like not what we do. Yeah. Seems wise. I mean, that being said, like where, where do the skeletons for incendiary songs come from? Like, do you actually sit in a room? Are they riff driven, beat driven? Do you come up with lyrics first? Like, like what's yeah. the, what's the process? I mean, I think, so they're, they're usually riff driven. We're not really, we're not really a jam, a jam type band. I, I feel like a lot of bands aren't. Some bands I guess can write by jamming, but we're not. No. Um, yeah. I think our guitar player, Brian, you know, like he writes a lot of stuff and he, he really like kind of had the vision on this last album and we kind of like let him run with it. Okay. And then I usually, the, the way that I work on in terms of writing lyrics is like, I, I almost always write to the song. It's just okay. kind of like what I prefer. Um, and I don't really do a lot of like free form writing. I, I think when I'm, when it's time to write, I, I'll try, but I generally try to do things pretty structured. And so we usually are very like, we're going to come into practice. We know what we're working on and we're going to try to bang something out um, rather than kind of like, Hey, let's see what flows, you know, (laughs) we don't really do that too much. Does Brian like demo the riffs and and kind of give you semi-complete ideas or he just kind of shows you riffs in the practice phase? We got both, but we got much more focused on, doing all of that and like being a little bit more like high functioning and actually like using the internet and Dropbox and stuff like that. So it's like using technology. Yeah. 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 So we we did a lot more of that, a lot more collaboration and also like COVID was weird. And so that's kind of, I I mean, a lot of bands, I'm sure you talk about this, but like we were doing a lot of sharing of ideas and recording stuff uh, virtually and then uh, passing things around. So we always try to have it be as, as structured as possible and write off like practice space recordings and working on lyrics through that. And yeah. Like yeah. That. Are you, and are you someone who like 
are you jotting down lyrics like day to day all the time, kind of thinking about things that that might make good songs or or does it just all come out once you once you complete you know like the music for a song? I feel like it does have like a stand up comedy vibe where like you know, you're like, I'm thinking of a bit. Like, it's like that for me, sure. but with lyrics where I like, I'm, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and write something down. But by and large, I really do try to write like to the song and I'll like sit down. I spent kind of an embarrassing, like I, I spent so much time on this. It's, it's not even funny, like hours and hours, multiple nights a week for six months, eight months, just because I think probably I'm hard on myself and I just really want to make sure things fit and and flow well. And I also, I made the decision a long time ago to rhyme all of my lyrics, which mm. <laughs> makes things exponentially more difficult. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, so like I, I just spent, you know, I used would listen to our practice-based recordings 80 million times and I would get such an encyclopedic knowledge of it where I would, when I'm in practice, I'd be like, uh, you guys did that one extra time and they'd be like, chill, man, we're working on the song. Yeah, right, like, right, right. Uh, this is not what I, this is not what I planned in, uh, at home, but, but yeah, no, I, demo-itis. I, exactly. Totally. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well said, but, uh, no, I, I spent like a lot of time and, um, trying to get my thoughts together and it, it's just, it, it, it doesn't, I feel like I have a knack for writing lyrics, but it's not something that flows for me or I like love doing in my spare time. Sure. That makes sense. Cool. Um, so, all right. It's your, your last day on earth. And since you're a Long Island guy, I'm sure you have an opinion on this. <laughs> you're waking up in the morning and you're getting a bagel sandwich for lunch. You're getting a slice and for dinner, you're getting a delivery pie. Where are these things coming from? Oh, this is awesome. All right, I'm doing, let's see. So I have I have kind of like a serial killer um, bagel thing going on. So I like <laughs> I like well-done salt bagels. Well, um, oh, okay. Kind of like I, I, you, I want it to hurt. You know what I mean? Like wow. they, they're, they're, they're hard. And then I'll do some, I'll do some excavation on the bagel. It gets like some of the ex- excess salt off. Um, but salt bagels, I feel like no. only insane people eat salt bagels. <laughs> that is some pretty so. dexterous shit for a bagel. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll do that from uh, the the bagel boss in Jericho. Okay, um, that's probably the the greatest that I've had nearby. There's another place. Wait, let me ask you though. So yeah. when you're looking at like the bagel tray of salts, yeah, are you like specifically choosing like the brownest one? You're like hundred oh, yeah, percent. Or do you like reheat at home or something to, to no, like no, cook no. it more? No, no, no. So I, you're just I, looking uh, for the most burnt salt bagel you see in there. Yeah, I want I okay. want it nice and brown. That's right. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Now sometimes I don't want the pain that a salt bagel will bring, like the scratching of the roof of your mouth and stuff right, like that. Right. So I'll be a little more normal. But if I'm feeling crazy, I'll have it. And what are we talking? We like an egg and cheese guy, uh, the cre- go creamed butter. We're like, what, what do you get on your bagel? I'm not toasted. And yeah. uh, and veggie cream cheese. Okay, never toasted. You toast Ugh. out of New York, right? You toast out of the tri-state area. Yeah, I <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's some lenders shit. If you got to toast your bagel, they didn't bake the bagel well. That, that's what people don't understand about like bagel. Like you, you. I don't get. I I don't get toppings on my pizza. I never do. But I, I would get toppings if I had pizza in Portland, Oregon, because of you need to you need yeah. to cover it a little bit, right? <laughs> exactly. You, you don't need to do that when it's good. 
No, I think toasting uh, a quality, fresh New York, New Jersey bagel is is borderline sacrilege for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's already been cooked. I'm with you. You know, it's 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 it's, yeah. it's fine. It's ready to go. All right, so so give me your slice and then your delivery pie. Okay, my slice. There's this place. I, can't, I might have to leave Long Island because I just had one of the the tricolor slices. Have you guys ever had that? It's no. like mm, it's pizza. That? I forget the place in Manhattan that has it, but it's it's three rows. It's a row of, of sauce of pesto, a row of marinara, and then a row of like um, I think it's like almost like a like a buffalo, and it's. Ooh. Ooh. It's a little bit non-New York, but it's very, very good. Wow. Like um, a Neapolitan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, Whoa. yeah, like, exactly. And then pie. Uh, you know what I'm really into? Grandma pies. Oh, yeah. Sauce on top. Yep. Sauce on top. Little yeah. dollops. Umberto's in Huntington. I'll probably get it from. Sounds great. That's nice. So yeah. that's your that's your pie is the grandma's pie from Umberto's? I mean, usually if I, that's only if I'm feeling sassy, usually <laughs> I'm just getting regular pie, like yeah. no topping, nothing. I'm, I'm perfectly happy with that. Yeah. I've, I've been a vegetarian like 30 years and people are kind of amazed because they, they think like, oh, you want a veggie pizza, right? I'm like, no, no. I don't no. want a veggie pizza. I want cheese and sauce. Like, don't, don't wet my crust with like, you know, like. <laughs> all these badly cooked vegetables on top. I want to taste my pizza, you know? Yeah. I, I don't need it. Some of the, no. it, some of the, the margarita pizzas that like some of the specialty ones are good. Maybe if I'm like, sure. Once in a while, like the barbecue chicken, if I'm feeling super crazy, but I, yeah. I just need a regular slice, man. I do. I think my, my, uh, guilty pleasure right now is I love an eggplant parm pizza. Oh, That's I've had nice. that. Some yeah, nice yeah. fried eggplant, some ricotta on it. Very nice. Have Brad, you had what? the Have you had the artichoke oh. slice? Oh, and artichoke yeah. in the city. That I is do. wild. Mm. I have such a. I don't do it much anymore because I'm older and I got the reflux. Yep. So I take care of myself a little better. But my move used to be this: my fat boy move from artichoke, where I go in, I get a hot margarita slice on the spot, which is fucking delicious. <laughs> and then I would get an artichoke slice, but not heated. I'd go home, bring it home, get a little stoned, That's so awesome. put it in the oven, and fuck that thing up with like a knife and fork, like fat boy style. Like, like it would take me like 45 <laughs> minutes to eat it. You know, dipping the crust into the, the yep. artichoke. Yeah, the whole thing. Mm. I actually, they, they just built an artichoke pizza in Jersey, in the neighborhood in Jersey city. I was in about six months after I left. And even though I was disappointed, I was also like, Oh my God, thank God that fucking thing wasn't there while I lived there. <laughs> Cause you'd be looking at a much different looking person. If that was the case. We, we played elsewhere in Brooklyn and we, I left the venue and I walked down the street. I was like, Oh my God, there's an artichoke here. Yeah. Um, they're yeah, all the, over the place now. Yeah. The legit artichoke slices, you got to, kind of be down to hate yourself for that one yes. it's like yeah. should not exist but it is good it is it's good. so good yeah it's yeah. So good. Oh, i love it oh, this is making me hungry mm. me too um all right we, we've been going for a while now i just want to uh 
You got any recommendations for the people? Is there a, a book, a TV series, or a movie that you've recently seen that you'd like to recommend? A book or a TV series or a movie? I am reading a book called Shantaram, S-H-A-N-T-R-A-M. Apparently it's famous. I had never heard of it. It's very long and it's about a convict from Australia who escapes to Bombay, India in the oh, 80s. Wow. And it is the probable, probably the best book I've ever read. Um, it's amazing. Ooh. And there, wow. there actually is a, sh- um, a show on Apple TV that I have not seen yet, which I don't think did well by the same name. It's about the book. It's an adaptation. Oh, yeah. I'm seeing that. Um, yeah. Wow. It's, it's a phenomenal book. So that's the last thing I read. Um, TV. Let's see. Um, we're all into like the British crime procedurals. It's kind of my jam. Yeah. Watch, just watch the Luther movie. That was pretty good. Are you guys familiar with Luther? Don't no. know that, no. You guys know Idris Elba? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so kind Love of before him. he came to the U.S. and did... Um, why am I blanking on the show in Baltimore cops? Very oh, famous TV show. Yeah. I think it's, pre, I think it's pre-wire. Um, oh, he had cool. a series on BBC called Luther where he's like the psycho detective. It's very, oh. very good. And cool. he, they just brought him back uh, to do like a movie about it. But if you haven't seen the Luther series, I think it's on Netflix. I'll, I'll recommend that one. Idris oh, Elba's yeah. cool. Love that. Oh yeah. Band. It looks like Shantaram only got one, one season. Yeah. Yeah, it, I heard nothing about it, but I can tell you for sure the book is amazing. Yeah, yeah, seems good. Awesome. 936 pages, goodness, sir. Yeah, man. I wasn't I didn't realize. So I got it on uh <laughs> I got it on my Kindle and mm-hmm. like after a while you're like how long is this goddamn book? <laughs> I feel like I've been at, I've been at 43% for 6 years here reading this. <laughs> oh yeah, cuz Kindle you can't flip to the back page. Exactly. It right. has like the percentage and it's like really throwing you off. So yeah, it's it's uh it's pretty it's pretty long, but it's it's honestly like not a difficult read. Yeah, it's 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 very highly rated. I'm looking at it now. Cool. It's not yeah. like Infinite Jest or something which is super long and you have to like take notes and shit. It's it's a, I it's can't, a page Yeah, turner. I can't do that book. I still haven't though. I, I I just am like I don't. I know I want to say that I read this book, but I don't care. I love this. You're teaching me a lot. I'm going to listen to Koyo and read Shantaram. You've, you've been teaching me a lot. Just trying to spread the message, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, good luck with everything coming up with the the new record coming out and the the shows and the touring you got. I, uh, I'm a fan of your group. I, I hope to see more of you. Ah, I appreciate that. I, I'm a I'm a listener of the podcast, so I oh, appreciate nice. you guys having me on, and uh, I had a blast. So it was great chatting. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Okay. Oh, yeah. Penny, I'm just happy to talk about fucking pizza 
it's not in New Jersey. Okay. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you'll never, I've been, Get over. <laughs> I've been all around this country. And if there's one thing, and we even talked about it a little at the beginning of the interview, the idea of like Long Island in New Jersey <laughs> beefing at all. I know. And particularly beefing about pizza and bagels. <laughs> I'm like, listen, we're, we're kind of the same here, you know? Yep. And if we drive three hours in any direction, we're both going to be wildly unhappy with our choices, <laughs> you know? So I've had bagels and pizza in Long Island. They're really fucking good. I've had plenty <laughs> of bagels and pizza in New Jersey. They're often fucking good. The one reason I know Brendan's legit, right? legit is don't toast my bagel yeah 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 Yeah. and that i mean i think that's hard for people to understand they're like why i like it toasted with butter i like this i'm like the only time you toast a bagel is when it's old then it's okay sure yeah or you know you got you're saving some in the freezer you know you got something like that going on yeah do what you got to do yeah fresh bagel Fresh bagel baked that there's a reason it's fucking fresh it's like it's like throwing paint on the mona lisa (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's like being the Joker at Batman one, just walking around the museum, just desecrating, you know, beautiful pieces of art, you know, because that's what it is. It's a beautiful yeah. piece of art. You got to try this out. Brendan downplayed it, but I quite enjoyed that cold cheese slice of pizza. It's All pretty, right. I've never good. had it. I'll check it out. It reminded me of there was a spot. We used to play a spot in London. I believe it was called the Forum. and right on the corner of it was sort of a, you know, their version of like a 24 hour kind of, you know, sort of like kebab spot, but like late night, like, you know, their version of greasy spoon essentially. And the way they would do their cheesy chips there, cheesy chips are one of my favorite things on earth, by the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, They would like cone up like newspaper literally toss your hot, hot, beautiful chips into the cone and then right. just dump tons of cold cheese on it. And it kind of like melted in like as you were eating it, almost like a poutine. Right, right. <laughs> and it does kind of give it like a different flavor. It like, you know, so I, I kind of got the same feeling when I ate that cold cheese Hi. slice of pizza. It was Hi. good. I'll check it out. I was I'll good. Check it I would out. do it again. I like to. He's, he gave me the kind of like, Joe Pesci Goodfellas response. I'm like, do you know about this place in Huntington? He's like, oh, <laughs> Betty, come on. Hey. Let me tell you, that place is okay. Let me tell you something about this place. This is the place you got to go. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, this dude's my people. Good, good, good. But yeah, everyone should check out this new record. Will Putney produced it again. Um, yeah. It's called Change the Way You Think About Pain. It's a ripper, man. I mean, song after song, I was finding it to be... Uh, engaging, intense, heavy as fuck, like really enjoy it. Good group, good live group. If you get a yeah. chance to see them. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I endorse incendiary and I enjoyed this interview. Where are they out well, on socials? They got socials? socials. They got socials everywhere. You get your socials at incendiary HC. I don't know what that stands for, but incendiary HC. Instagram, Hub city, Twitter. baby. <laughs> And Facebook. And we are at Going Off Track everywhere you would possibly get your socials. 
Do we still have a Patreon? Have you been updating we, it? We still have one. The updates have been a little slow, but we haven't Fucking been charging. Brad. <laughs> we Come been on. charging for our updates. Um, but we are doing the uh, Thursday night um, fireside chat when available. But you can leave us good reviews. You know, you can still tip us on our uh, Venmo at uh-huh. Off Track. Um, and you can still become a patron because. I don't think I've charged our patrons in two months or more. That's true. It's free patron right now. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, when we get our shit together and start making some be- some bonus content, we'll kick it back in. So, uh, yeah. I hope everybody has a great week. Hope you enjoyed yeah. this interview with Brendan. Thank you for coming on with us. And, mm-hmm. you know, let's spread some uh, peace and love throughout the world, shall we? Yeah. Happy spring. You too, buddy.